Damo, it is less than two weeks until our brand new event, the Wellness Base Camp, hits Adelaide. Oh, I can't wait, MP. Oh, Damo, we can't wait to have you in Adelaide. The Brisbane Base Camp was a sellout. The feedback from attendees was inspiring. Christine said, keep up the incredible work and energy. You make me feel so, so good. And Kira said, I loved all the speakers and the vibe in the room. So many aha moments. And Lauren said, no matter how many times I hear each of these people speak, I learn new things always and have action steps to take away. Can't wait to have you there, great man. The rock star of wellness is joining Kim Morrison, JP and Andy from Smashed Avocado, Brett Hill and myself at the Wellness Base Camp Saturday, April 7th at the Arca Bar in Adelaide. Two for one tickets available with the code COUNTDOWN at www.thewellnessbasecamp.com on Eventbrite or search for The Wellness Base Camp Adelaide on Facebook. That code again is COUNTDOWN with tickets available at thewellnessbasecamp.com on Eventbrite or by typing The Wellness Base Camp Adelaide in Facebook. It's time to be the queen of your stress. With the queen of stress, Dr. M. Hey there, BQS listeners, and welcome to our 25th episode. I'm Dr. M, and this podcast is designed to help inspire change in how you see, manage, and use your stress. So you can be the queen of your stress, not your stress, be the queen over you. In this week's episode, in fact, it will become a multiple part series, is we are joined by the wonderful Dr. Damien Christoph. Damien is an amazing naturopath, nutritionist and chiropractor and has been a leader in the wellness space for the last two decades. Having his own TV show, Downsize Me, the co-founder of The Wellness Couch, the biggest health podcasting channel in Australia. He's the director and principal chiropractor at Vita Lifestyles in Sandringham in Melbourne. He's a sought-after international speaker and an all-round great guy who I have the the privilege of calling a great friend. We were lucky enough to have Damien visit our Shell Harbour community last week on his way home from LA and on his way to Perth. And on today's episode, we're going to get stuck into all things stress and food and give you some great takeaways that you can implement into your daily life. We're going to break through the series into four key areas, which probably sounds a little bit like my energy equation, which you've heard me talk about before. So without further ado, I'd love to welcome Dr. Damien Christoph to be the queen of your stress. Hey there, DK. G'day, Dr. M. I've never been invited to be a queen. Well, there's a first time for everything and, uh, <laughs> and we'll probably have to discuss whether that statement is true or not at another time. That's <laughs> yeah, I think my wife would uh, have something to say about that, but uh, <laughs> maybe the king of my stress, which you mentioned the other night, you actually said you could be the queen or the king. That's uh, right. You left that totally open to interpretation for all of the audience members as to which they would decide to be. Absolutely. Well, on another episode, we might have to discuss feminine and masculine energy, but that's a whole nother podcast. But totally up to you whether you choose to be the king or queen of your stress. Um, (laughs) But I'm so glad you could join us for this series. It's something that uh, I know that I get really passionate about. I know it's something that you get really passionate about. And and certainly I've had the pleasure of listening to your Crack the Stress Code workshop a couple of times now, and obviously your Power of Food workshop as well. You've been to Shell Harbour a few times. So in today, episode and across this series I'd really like to chunk things down into a few key areas so people can take away some key tools that they can implement straight away. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. 
I like it. I like that I'm kind of going in there a little bit blind too. Like it's going to all be so raw. It's not going to be something that I have the opportunity to present or prepare. So you're going to get me. You'll get me. It's when, it's when you're at your best, DK. It's when you're at your best. But um, where I thought we'd start tonight is actually around energy. Okay. And uh, if that's all good with you. And one the first question that I have for you is in your couple of decades, I won't say few, you're not that old, two decades of, of being involved in health and wellness, yeah. what, are the, what are the top, say, two or three reasons why you see people's energy actually decrease and they start getting stuck into that fatigue stage? Ah, well, that's an awesome question because there's so many factors with that. It can be anything from movement through to sleep and rest and recovery. Um, it could be that people are often stuck in their sympathetic dominant state. In other words, their tongue stuck to the top of their mouth. Um, they find it difficult to fall asleep at night time. They have to wake up through the night a couple of times. They sleep too hot. Uh, they might find they're craving at 3.34 o'clock in the afternoon. So there's a whole number of different reasons why that could potentially be happening, but generally it's because of the sympathetic nervous system being switched on. But we might also find that people are nutrient insufficient, not necessarily deficient. So we look at people's vitamin D levels and they could be within the reference range, but at the low end of the reference range, we could find that people's iron levels are low. So maybe there's a malabsorption syndrome or you know something going on there through diet. But I often find that people overfuel themselves. So in an attempt to increase their energy output, they eat too much uh, fuel. Now, when you look at a label, like you look at a food label, there's a food label and it says energy, kilojoules slash calories, and that in itself is misleading. That's a misleading label. Um, and every single label, including the labels that we've got on Forage, actually says that it's energy uh, as kilojoules or calories. And at the end of the day, it's only fuel. It's, it's potential energy. It's up to your body to convert that fuel to energy. It's mm-hmm. only fuel. So many people uh, will eat food and maybe look at calories um, or kilojoules in however, feel tired even though they're eating an appropriate amount of kilojoules or calories. And it's interesting because the type of food that they eat will directly determine their output, but you're never taught that. You're only ever taught to no. calories, right? You look, you're told to look at carbs, you're told to look at fat, you're told to look at protein. And the heaps of people are going hardcore on the protein at the moment. It doesn't matter if it's vegan or, or carnivorous, people are just going hardcore on protein, but Protein's only one source of fuel, um, and the bulk of the body's biological systems runs on simple fuels like carbohydrates and fats. And so, you, you know, whilst protein can be used as a fuel, it's not a really efficient fuel, and it doesn't easily get converted to uh, energy. It's usually converted to amino acids, and then we use that for building blocks. So it's important to know what's going into your body and, uh, and not just think that because you're eating food, you're being energized in fact if you're eating food you're being fueled and maybe you're actually dropping off a trolley load of building blocks to help you when you exercise later on manufacturing more energy interesting interesting so what's your have you got a key tip um or it might be a couple of key tips on how people can figure out what that output should be like if they're actually eating too much and eating all the wrong things is there is there a way an easy way of figuring that out or is it totally individual for each person I think there's some really simple clues. Like we can see whether or not we're craving food. Like if we get to a point in the day and we start to crave food, it's highly likely that the fuel that you put into your body was inappropriate in the first place. Um, it's, it's highly likely that if you're craving carbohydrates or you're craving fats um, or you're craving both, which is what we call sweet fat, if, you, if you're craving those things. Some of my favourite foods, I think, fall into that category. How to eat your cake. <laughs> 
it. Um, but uh, yeah, if you if you are craving those things at two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon, it's highly likely that the fuel you put into your body wasn't right in the first place. Um, interesting. So that's an interesting thing to look at. The other thing is too that you might find that. Are uh, you craving food going to bed? And a lot of people like to have an, uh, an evening snack or a supper or they go to bed having had a glass of something, a milk or a cup of tea or something. And and really, like at, the, at that time of the night, there's no real requirement to put anything into the body, maybe some water, but you don't really need to fuel up before you go to bed. It's probably not wise to do that. So consider whether or not you are craving and desiring and needing fuel before you are meant to wind down. Interesting. Just, is good to notice is where you're putting on fat. Like, are you putting on fat on your tummy? Are you putting on fat on your back? Are you got a fat back? Um, like, if you've got those sorts of things going on, uh, it's likely that you're having a, a hormonal response to your environment. Now, if you've got fat on your tummy, the response to the environment is excessive carbohydrate, excessive fuel going in. So you're storing it for later, and just in case, um, you, you'll you'll store it. You know, just in case of diabetes, you'll store it for a long time. Yeah. The other thing is too, if you're storing it on your on your back, if you've got back fat, that's usually to do with stress. So you might find that you've got, you know, stress in your life, and so you're storing a bit of back fat. And uh, you know, you don't want back fat. It's good to manage your stress appropriately. So yeah. there's strategies to decrease that you know that back fat storage which we can talk about later on if you like yeah absolutely i think that would be great particularly when we get to the f- the food section that i'd love to to get to uh in in this series one of the questions i had for you and i'd love you to share this because i love i love this quick test is uh and i've heard you share it before um in your previous visits to shell harbour and you touched on it earlier it was how you can figure out whether you're in a, a sympathetic dominance which we've certainly spoken about in earlier bqs episodes or whether you know you're actually in parasympathetic Empathetic state. Can you share that? Because I love that test. And that's what I love is these simple tests that you can do at home, BQS listeners, to see what state of stress, whether you're in a state of stress or whether you're actually in a relaxed state. Can you share that for us, DK? Yeah, well, there's two states of the nervous system that we're meant to be in or meant to oscillate between, Dr. M. And so, you know, where we should be at the greatest point of ease is right in the middle between parasympathetic. Uh, response and sympathetic response what we tend to find is that a lot of people find themselves stuck in a parasympathetic uh, sorry in a sympathetic dominant state in other words they're wound up they're highly um, agitated they tend to respond poorly to uh, to a stressful situation their response is that of fight or flight um, and then that can often take its toll and, and many times people find themselves feeling quite fatigued um, as a result of a stressful event that's a sympathetic dominant state. The other state that you could be in is a parasympathetic state. And the parasympathetic state is where you're wanting to rest and digest. So it's kind of the state that you might go into when you've, you know, exercised lots or you had a period of, you know, prolonged stress and, um, and you, you feel like eating and then going to sleep. That's a parasympathetic state. So a sympathetic state or a sympathetic dominant state can be found if your tongue's stuck to the top of your mouth. So a lot of people just, you know, just check in here for a second as you listen to this and just think about whereabouts your tongue sitting in your mouth. Is it sitting below your bottom set of teeth, your bottom row of teeth, or is it sitting up on the superior part of the top part of your palate, the hard palate, um, you know, almost trying to tickle your nose. Like, is it right up that high um, or is it down low? Now, if it's down low, you're in a parasympathetic state. It's highly likely you're probably not taking a whole lot of this podcast in. Probably should push pause uh, and then come back to this podcast later. But if your tongue's stuck to the top of your mouth, 
you're right in that zone of, uh, of listening and learning. And it's a really alert, heightened state to be in. It's a great place for high performance. Um, however, it's not the place you want to be when you're trying to you know, knock off to sleep. So if you're trying to get to sleep and you find your tongue stuck to the top of your mouth, purposely bring it down below your bottom teeth take 10 deep breaths and you should be asleep within 30 or 40 seconds. So it's pretty easy to switch your, your nervous system into a parasympathetic phase from a sympathetic dominant state. Um, so that's a nice little simple test for yeah. you. But there's heaps of other thing. ways to tell too. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think one of the things that, uh, and for previous conversations you and I have had, is one of the things we love most with our hands-on work is helping people with the ability of getting their brain-body connection working better so that they're able to drop in and out of those different systems in a, in a more efficient way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is something really exciting that we get to do with, with our hands-on work as, as chiropractors. Now, this question, I'm not sure if it's left field or not, but it came to me today when I was, when I was prepping today because I know, DK, you love talking about poo and you're the only guy that I know that can make it almost sound sexy, not quite sexy, but almost sexy. Um, is there something that we can, we can actually get from our digestion, if you like, or, or how regularly we're going to the, to the loo in that sense that says about how our energy state actually might be? And we were touching on it the other night in terms of how regularly you're actually you know, going and doing number twos. Um, mm. What are your thoughts around that in terms of how that can be impacting how you're feeling day to day? Yeah, look, there's a lot of nutrition that's absorbed in the small intestine and the small intestine is the area or the part of the in, the uh, intestinal tract where you do the bulk of your nutrient absorption. There's a little bit absorbed in the stomach and a little bit absorbed in the colon, which is the large bowel. But the bulk of your nutrition, let's say 90% or above, is actually absorbed in the small intestine at different stages throughout the three parts of the small intestine. Suffice to say that if food is moving through too quickly um, or if you find that you're moving your bowels too frequently, that your nutrient absorption could be poor. Um, and, and so it's good to be aware of whether or not your bowels are moving too frequently. In other words, more frequently than every 12 to 24 hours. If you're moving your bowels every three, four or five hours, it's highly likely you're malabsorbing. You're not actually absorbing the food or the water from your feces. And so you, you need to you know, kind of slow that down a little bit. Um, there's other people too that might not move their bowels regularly enough and they may actually have zero bowel movements for long periods of time, let's say two days or three days or four days. Um, and those people uh, will really struggle uh, with in their intestinal health because of too much pressure. And so there's this whole uh, balancing act between osmotic load and, um, you know, I suppose pressure that's reversed to osmosis. I, don't, I can't even recall what that name is, but what's the reverse of osmosis? Oh, now you're asking me questions. It's, we're recording this late at night. I have that is not coming to me right now. <laughs> we'll yeah. have to Google it. What is it? I can't recall. Anyway, it'll come to us when it is least relevant. I'm sure we'll both probably sit bolt upright in our respective homes in respective states, going, "That's what it is." <laughs> exactly. But a build-up of pressure inside the intestines can be very, very negative, and uh, and of course, as a result of having poo stuck in you for a long time, you'll reabsorb lots of toxin and stuff that shouldn't be being reabsorbed into your bloodstream. Remember, there's only one layer of skin protecting your poo 
from your bloodstream, like literally one layer. Like if you look at your skin on your hands, there's seven layers of skin. But if you look at the layers of skin or epithelial cells um, in the intestines, it's, it's only one layer thick. So it, it's potentially very, very fragile. Uh, at the same time, very, very robust, but very, very selective in what it should allow in. But if things get in and it shouldn't get in, it can be uh, very, very costly on not only your energy but your health. And so yeah. it's good to move your bowels frequently enough. Now, some people drink coffee, Maria. Have you ever, <laughs> ever noticed anyone drinking coffee? No, I wouldn't know who you're talking about now. Damien wouldn't notice oh, that, know that at all. I've seen some people wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and drink coffee. <laughs> wake up, no, you know, I wake up at 5 and do it. <laughs> Well, it can't be you. No, and then, uh, I don't and get they, up in the fours. My other half might, but I get up in the fives. <laughs> Before they leave the house, have another coffee, then go off to the gym and they're, you know, exercising, they have little hearts out, and then they get back and have another coffee. And uh, and I that really stresses me out watching people do that because I know that that is so stressful on their body. And whilst some people might say that as a degree of fasting, um, when people are starting the day with caffeine, it actually stimulates a stress response. It's counterproductive to weight loss, counterproductive to heart health, and counterproductive to brain health. Um, albeit, you'll get you know short bursts of um, hormone-based fuel, or sorry, hormone-based energy production, but not you're going to store your fuel because you're actually diverting blood away from digestion in the gut. So there is this argument, oh, caffeine stimulates your metabolism. Well, it doesn't really. It just stimulates your stress response. So um, I see that. And then what should happen after having a coffee or having a caffeinated beverage is that within 10 minutes you should move your bowels. And if that's happening, then that's a normal, typical stress response. But many people actually have a number of coffees, but they don't move their bowels 10 minutes after their caffeinated beverage. That's a concern because that means that you're staying in sympathetic dominant state and your body's getting used to being in stress as opposed to moving into relaxation at different times. Really interesting. So the moral of the story is none of us want to be full of you know what um, because for long, too long and we want to make sure that we're, we're managing our stress by not putting extra pressure on that hormonal system by having caffeine at the wrong points of the day, which we might talk about in just a moment in, in when we're talking about food. So that's it for this week's episode, BQS listeners. I hope you've enjoyed the first part to our three-part series with the amazing Dr. Damien. Remember this week, your action step is to look at how much energy have you got? Are there areas that we've touched on today that you can actually tweak already so that you can start sending your energy into the stratospheres? I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. I'm looking forward to sharing the next two parts uh, over the next two weeks. That would be two parts over two weeks. That's good maths, Dr. M. And, uh, and completing our interview series with Dr. Damien. He's an amazing guy. I feel very blessed that we've had him online as our first guest that we've interviewed. So I hope you have an awesome week ahead. I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now. Well, that's it for today's podcast, BQS listeners. Thanks again for joining us. Remember, if you would like to subscribe, make sure you hit subscribe on iTunes. And if you want to stay in touch, check out our Facebook page, The Queen of Stress, or on our Insta, The Queen of Stress. For more information and show notes, be sure to go to thequeenofstress.com to continue our journey together. Hope you have a fabulous week, and I'll catch you next time. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Podcast Boston Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.